thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, probably around verse 13 is where we're kind of ultimately kind of pick up our, our message and, and get into things. But for a note-taking person, there's probably about 10, I believe, things that uh, are kind of notable uh, as we kind of get into this this evening regarding what transpired in the beginning of chapter 11 of 2 Samuel. We start to deal with this, this situation of what happened with David and Bathsheba. A lot of us are familiar with the story. We, we did teach through the majority of that, so we're not going to get into a bunch of detail of it because we've, we've covered a lot of it. But I do want to just, for review's sake, just kind of cover a couple of things that are significant to, to notice. Uh, one of the first things, and so this is the first of ten of the things that I think are, are worthy to notice, is David decided at the beginning of, of chapter 11, he decided to stay out of the battle. He, he, he just chose to just kind of pull back and to kind of stay uh, in the capital city there and just kind of stay ruling and, and just kind of sent the others off to war. But it's a, it's a time when kings go out to battle. It was customary that the, they would be engaged in battle. As Christians, I think part of the significance for us is that we want to stay engaged in battle. So that's the first thing that I think we want to note is that David decided to stay out of battle, to disengage, and to kind of take it easy. He kind of felt like, well, yeah, I kind of deserve it, you know. I deserve to kind of take it easy. I deserve this. And it really put him in a place of danger because it, it really led to the ultimate demise in the sense of the sin that he fell into. And again, I might note, do you really fall into it or do you walk into it? We really learned when we studied through this, you really walk into it. You make choices that lead to situations. You walk into sin. You don't just, oh, gosh, I woke up and now I'm in sin. You know, it's, it's not like that. There are deliberate actions and choices that we make. And I, I think that's important for us to note. So he disengaged. David disengaged from the battle. I think that's a real good start point to note. The next thing we see is that Satan is waiting for you to do that. That's the second of ten things that I notice is Satan is waiting for someone to disengage because if they disengage from the battle, now they're vulnerable because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Their senses aren't heightened. They're not aware of what is going on around them. So think about it. It's basically he let down his guard, you could say, and it really caused him to be very vulnerable spiritually. And he then ended up in sin. But Satan had just the right plan. He watches, he waits. Satan watches and waits. He plots and he waits for just the right opportunity to strike. That's just the way Satan is. He, he plots, he, he watches every one of us to see exactly where that weak point might be. And the Bible says, hey man, take heed because sometimes it might be in that area that you think you're so strong that, that is where the weakness really can, can come in. Because we, we, that's the place we don't guard anymore. Oh, no, I don't have to worry about that. I'm, I'm, I'm cool there, man. No, no worries. That's not my problem, you know. I've got other problems, but that's not my problem. Oh, 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 be careful. That's not a good idea. 
Because Satan watches, he plots, he plans to just find the right person, the right situation, the right circumstance to just, boom, trouble. So Satan watched and, and waited and took opportunity to strike. David then, and the third thing we saw that happened, is David yielded to a fleshy desire and sinned. He yielded to that. He took advantage of a situation in that sense, and he yielded to that. Now, I do want to say, before I go on any further, so that you know, this is a hopeful message tonight, but we have to recap this to get to the hopeful part, okay? So don't be discouraged. Don't be bummed. Everybody's, we've all sinned and missed the mark. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, so we're all in the same boat. What's the exciting thing to me is if I were to title this, which I have not, and I don't title messages, generally speaking, but if I were to, this would be life after sin. Because there's life after sin. That's the exciting thing for us as, as followers of God. There's life after sin. There's hope in God. Life after sin, there's hope in God. And that's really the way I see this. But we have to, to get to that, we have to see what happened. Because all of us fit in this, even if that wasn't our exact issue. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible's clear on that. So we need that hope. We need to understand that even in today's failures, whatever they might be, there's life after sin. And I think that's so important for all of us. Then the next, the fourth thing, fourth out of, out of uh, ten. David then tried, like oftentimes many of us would try to do, to cover his sin uh, which ultimately made it much worse. So I think that's a thing to note. When you seek to cover your sin, it makes it worse. It doesn't make it better. It only makes it worse. Ultimately, it got worse for him. He ended up murdering somebody, having someone murdered. He put a hit out on somebody, basically. I think that's the thing to note. When you seek to cover, it only get, compounds the matter, and it's going to get worse. It's kind of like you know, masking something. You know, sometimes people, because of the hurt that they experience in life or whatever, and they start doing a substance or they start drinking a lot or whatever it might be, you're really masking the problem or the issue, really. You know, the issue's still there. You think it's gone away because you get high or you're, you know, just out partying. You think it goes away, but inside, man, the problem's still there, right? We've all woken up from that, you know, and realized, oh my gosh, this is just still, now it's compounded though, because you've probably done a bunch of other stupid things during that phase or that stint or whatever it might be. So you can kind of see, seeking to cover or mask or shield it, it ends up getting worse. Number five. David ultimately, in uh, chapter 11, verse 27, David was blinded by his sin. Sin is blinding. And he was blinded by that. He thinks he's kind of succeeded in verse 27. Uh, and when her mourning was over about Uriah that he had killed, her husband, David brought Bathsheba to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But notice this last part. The, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. This is important to note in number five. He was blinded by the sin, but God knows all. Just because he thinks, okay, whew, got through that, got that covered up, your eyes killed, looks cool. He's the hero in his own comic strip, right? He wrote the, the thing. He kind of sets it all up. He looks like he's a hero. Oh, poor her. She's with child too. My gosh, I'll take her in. I'll take care of her. You know, he looks good to other people, but man, it's going, the whole thing's going bad, really, on the inside. He was blinded by his sin to the extent that he was believing his own press. 
about his life. You see, he started buying in on his own story that he was telling himself and telling everybody else. Isn't that what sin does, though? It's that blinding that you start thinking, oh, gosh, I'm, this is not, it's not that big a deal, really. You know, I'm still king. This is all cool. You know, it's that whole old kind of adage that's really true. Just because God might be moving, things might be still moving, for, doesn't mean God's approving of everything that's going on. And because God was displeased with this situation. Number six, David then ends up being confronted with the sin. And it is now about nine months, you know, have gone by. And he's confronted by his friend, you know, Nathan the prophet. Comes to him and says, hey, look at David, this thing that you've done, you know, and he, he tells, talks to him. Remember, we talked about Nathan. Nathan had a platform in his life. He was able to interact that way with him, and it was good. I mean, but he was directly confronted with it. Now, a lot of time has gone by in this, and let's read uh, Psalm 51. Have mercy on, upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Now, this is after Nathan had come and spoken with him, and he realized, man, you know what? You know, I, I did this, you know? And so now he's written this psalm, you know, from his heart in his interaction with the Lord, understanding what he had done. Now, anybody who has experienced this type of hurt you know, of what it's like in betrayal in this kind of a way. And then realizing, you know, this guy is in the spot where he's realized he's sinned and missed the mark, but it's affected a lot of other people along the way, hasn't it? A lot of the people know exactly what I'm talking about. But there's hope, there's life, isn't there? And that's what we're going to get to. But right now there's this spot where David realized, man, I've done this, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And remember, he thought everything was cool. You know, he thought he'd gotten, gotten it taken care of. But see, inside, it was all amok. It was all bad. You desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Do you remember what a shepherd did? This is so cool, what a shepherd would do with a sheep that keeps wandering. A sheep that just keeps wandering. And David knew, because David was a shepherd. That shepherd would go out. And we just think it's just so, oh, that's just so wonderful. How, you know, Jesus is just seeing there cuddling up and just kind of carrying this little lamby on his shoulders. We, we miss it, because we just don't understand the culture that well. But the shepherd would ultimately go out and snap a leg. Inflict the pain snap the leg, but then he would take that lamb and he would carry that lamb on his shoulders until that lamb healed up. That lamb would have such a bond with that shepherd from there on out. David in the psalm is saying, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken 
may rejoice. That there, ultimately, the bone, it heals. There's restoration then. And man, that, that shepherd and that little lamb are close. They've been carried around. That's, that's the love of our shepherd, how he cares for us and allows us to go through sometimes times of brokenness that he might draw us. Because we, man, in times of brokenness, we know Jesus better than we would ever know him otherwise. And so it's, it's good. It's difficult, but it's good what God does. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good. In your good pleasure to Zion, build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of, of, of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering, they shall offer bulls on an altar. So David really clearly expresses his heart in an awesome way. During this time, as he's come back from this, this place of brokenness. Now, uh, in Psalm 32, also a psalm written at the same time, Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. You remember, this was when he had unconfessed sin. This was during that season, that time of unconfessed sin. He goes, man, I was just, it was just, I just felt horrible. I, you know, inside things weren't right. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. God is a God of forgiveness God is a God of love. God is a God of restoration. As we get to this uh, next part, uh, we hit verse uh, 13, and uh, that's the number seven, which is confession. So number seven in this group of about 10 is confession. We, we, we see the, the, the process by which things can kind of take place in our lives in varying levels of, of circumstance, I understand. But you can kind of see this process. We kind of let down our guard and, you know, these various things start to take place. And, you know, this is, don't remember what Jesus said so often? Watch and be ready. Watch and be ready. Watch and pray. You know, Jesus said, be aware of what's happening around you. And he's not talking about looking for the boogeyman or something. You know what I'm saying? Watch for that. He's talking about, man, having a sober awareness of the times in which you live and the things that are happening around you spiritually. You know, there's an awareness that he's looking for. Confession, as he says, 
in verse uh, 13 of uh, chapter 12 now. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. So number seven is confession. Agree with God. That's the simple concept or understanding. But it basically means to speak, literally, it means to speak the same thing. That's what confession in its original language, when you break it down, that's what it means. It means to speak the same thing. It means to agree regarding a matter, basically. So God says this, whatever it might be from his word, about a circumstance or situation. God says this about it. And now we are, if we are in error, if we're not living that way, then we are to confess, right? And we're to say, I see it your way, God. I see I've missed the mark. I've sinned. I, I see my error in that situation. So that's confession. It's not just the going through this list, as some of you might know, you know, going into the booth and sitting in there and going through this list in your mind of, gosh, confessing all these things that we've done. But it's really this idea of understanding in my heart, Lord, I see your heart and my heart's not been in tune with you. And I want to confess, God, that I want to be in tune with you, and I'm not. This is what's so great, is once we confess and we acknowledge our sin, what instantly was there, instant, upon immediately upon confession, Nathan says, the Lord also has put away your sin. Forgiveness. So instant forgiveness. Now, you've got to understand, God's got the capacity to instantly forgive you and me. And that's an awesome, wonderful thing about God. That if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Forgiveness is yours instantaneous. But be aware as we go through this, as we kind of wrap up this evening and go through the rest of this, there is repercussion, though, to sin. We can't help. There just are a, a price to pay sometimes. Not the ultimate price, because Jesus paid that if we confess and agree with God that he has paid the price for your sin, for my sin, and we know that we need forgiveness. He will forgive us, but there are ramifications to sin. There's results. So seven was confession. Eight was forgiveness, which is instantaneous. God does not withhold from you forgiveness. You and I struggle receiving forgiveness oftentimes, I think. I think we struggle just saying, yes, thank you, God. I receive your forgiveness. I can walk in the newness of life this day. There's two things I think we struggle with. Acknowledging and really receiving grace graciously. Receiving it and accepting that, man, I have been forgiven. I don't need to be beat down by this. I don't need to punish myself for this. But God might mete out something. There are ramifications to, to things. And some things come, you know, just depending on the circumstance, some things would come with steeper price tags, you know? And God just, that's God's sovereignty. That's his choice, how that plays out. And obviously, David was a ruler. David knew the heart of the Lord. David had a walk with God. David had a close relationship with God. So this is a pretty serious violation. You know, when you think of his life and what he was given and what his opportunities were, this was a pretty serious violation between him and the Lord. Now, God did not require his life in that situation. God gave him instant forgiveness. But there, number nine, are results 
and ramifications from the sin. However, verse 14 of chapter 12, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Notice who the blasphemers are. I think that's important. Who is it? It's not the, the nation of Israel that are you know, blaspheming against them, but it, it is the enemies of the Lord. It's given opportunity or occasion for them to blaspheme. And then he says, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Man, that came with a steep tag, didn't it? All of a sudden, the hammer dropped. Now, forgiveness is his. Now, this is, this is kind of the, the, the second thought that I would say regarding instant. Once we confess, we can receive instant forgiveness. Within that instant forgiveness, we have to be clothed with the humility to understand that sometimes there's a price to pay. Okay, now, some of you who um, have been married a while, maybe there's been an infidelity, maybe there's been a circumstance. Some of you know what the pain of some of this is, okay? But let me tell you this about this, because this is, is important, is that even though there can be forgiveness, and even though there's forgiveness amongst spouses, and even though that's all awesome and good and what we would want, what God, that's God's heart is that there would be forgiveness and restoration. That's the heart of the living God. You have to be patient with one another because though there's forgiveness, there still needs to be the restoration of trust, doesn't there? And that takes time. We have to be patient with one another. Some people who have been scarred by this and are in new marriages now that have been scarred by infidelities and different things have trouble trusting because they've been scarred, they've been hurt, you know? And, it, and trust is a precious, precious commodity, isn't it? True trust is a precious commodity, found rarely and a treasure to be valued in our day in which we live. Trust is an important thing, isn't it? You know, you read in the Proverbs about the man who has found this wonderful spouse, and he praises God for her and, and acknowledges her goodness. And he said his heart safely trusts with her. He trusts, he knows the goodness of the quality of that person. And that's a commodity. That, that's part of what un, unfortunately is a deep hurt. But God is able to touch. God is able to, to heal. God is able to minister in these deep ways that no one else can touch but the living God. And so both parties have to be open to letting the Lord in and letting healing take place. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks again for listening to the Bible study today, and I trust that God is speaking to your heart. Oftentimes when we hear God's word, it kind of pricks our hearts and there's a, a, a desire to respond. And I want to give you that opportunity to respond to God today by giving your life to Jesus if you've never given your life to Jesus. And if you want that free gift of salvation, everlasting life, it's yours. All you have to do is pray a simple prayer of faith and maybe you just need to get right with God. Maybe you've walked with God at some point in your life, but you're just not walking with him today and want to get right with him. This is an opportunity for you. You know, many make fun of, of Jesus' second coming, that they're wondering, hey, is Jesus ever going to come back? And they make fun of it. 
kind of asking, where's the promise of his coming? You know, trying to to act like God's forgotten about us. Well, God's not forgotten about you, me, or, or this world. But the real reality is the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, that's God's heart, is that we would get to that place of repentance. That means to turn away from something and to begin to follow something else, turning away from our sin and our sinful thoughts and our sinful actions in our lives that are so destructive, and then willingly follow him. That's his desire, that we wouldn't perish but that we'd have everlasting life. If you'd pray a simple prayer of faith with me right now, right where you are, right whatever's going on in your life, if you just take this brief moment from your heart to pray this prayer and just ask Jesus, Jesus, I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I know I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and I want to ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior, that you'd come into my heart, make my heart your home. And that I would begin this new life, this new journey with you, Jesus. I thank you so much for loving me, and I thank you for forgiving me. I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountain.